All right, final hour of the show. This hour brought to you by our friends over at Bernie Robbins Jewelers Shop. The Valentine's Day sale now at BernieRobbins.com. It starts today inside the store or go to BernieRobbins.com slash Cupid. All right, Mike Gill, Sports Bash. All right, bros. So we got a lot of uh, people commenting throughout the show today on this Carson Wentz stuff. And we know the latest that we have. Look, people have been texting me. What do you know? What do you know? This is the latest we have. All right. Uh, potential trade partners have been unwilling to meet the Eagles' demands for Carson Wentz. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Are we happy that Howie Roseman is digging his heels in and saying, I'm not just going to give him away? Like, is Or are we at the point where just give him away? I don't care what you get for him. I see it differently. I, I just I think that this is this is just part of the process. Like I don't think this is Howie doing something wrong. I don't think this is the other side doing anything wrong, trying to push back. Like hearing that just tells me, okay, they're going through the part of this business as it's supposed to be done. <laughs> All right. Well, then the the question that the follow up to that is, people hate Roseman. They want him gone. He's an idiot. He's the worst. He's the problem. Do you separate all that and say, in this moment, I trust what Roseman's doing? Are people out there willing and able to admit that this is something that Roseman actually does well? Well, I, I don't know if I necessarily will say I trust him because I just think he's I think he's going to get the best offer he, he possibly can. Is that going to be good enough? I don't know because it just depends on how other teams value him but they're going to get rid of him no matter what. It's just what the best offer is, Like, ah, if that makes sense, which obviously him being good at his job would make it a significantly better package than maybe others would in the trade market. But I do don't think know. if he does do a good job in this trade, people will give him credit. No, because they'd say that Wentz's value is Wentz's value, and he just pulled the trigger on what was offered. You know what I mean? That's how people would view it is he didn't do anything. Wentz was People would trade for Wentz because Wentz is good. That's how people would view it. And depending on the package, I might fall in that category. Like, if a package comes out where I think that is reasonable for what Carson Wentz is worth, is that just Wentz's worth speaking for itself? Like, at what point did Howie do something, and at what point is it, this is what Wentz is? And this is the value for Carson Wentz. You know what I mean, though? Yeah, I, I mean... If he gets two firsts, okay, I understand. If he gets a first, I guess we can kind of have that debate. This comment here from Daz Deals, he's watching on YouTube. He says, there's zero consistency with this organization now. He says, now, okay, I was going to say, the one thing that this organization has had is consistency. That's the, that's the one thing the Eagles had is everybody in this listening audience could consistently say, the Eagles were going to be good. Error unfair. Yeah, back in the day, for sure. Since Chip Kelly, it's been a little bit of a rocky road. Even though one Super Bowl was won during that time, I think in terms of inconsistency where it's Chip Kelly's the guy, Howie Roseman's in the back door, Doug Peterson's in, now he's gone. Now Nick Sirianni's involved. And, and now, as of late, yes, it has shaken up a bit. But in the years past, you did have that consistency. I mean, you sure even, did. even with that, since Chip Kelly has been here, going back to 2013, they have had double-digit wins three times. They won nine games twice. So you still have won. You were still a consistent team. In you, you might not have liked the consistency, but 10 wins, 10 wins, even like 7-7, seven and seven, you're not 4-12. and 12. I mean, 10 wins, 10 wins, 13, 9, and 9. They still were a, like there was consistency of a winning team. 
Yeah, but I don't think you've ever seen in the NFL a guy, a GM hire his fourth I, I, head coach. Um, well, I mean that people like that's another misconception is well that Howie Roseman's picking the head coach. I mean the owner picks the head coach. Sure, but it's still there hasn't been a GM in place with an organization to do that four times. Still be a part of the organization to make that type of move with the owner. Not that he makes the. You're right, he doesn't make it, but. For the same GM to be in place, well, uh, well, is telling. this would be the third head coach. Well, it would be Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni. Okay, but he was part. He was here with Andy Reid. Now, um, who Howie? Yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't hire Andy. Well, he sure. had nothing to do with that. Sure. Okay, the third head coach. I mean, then. but that's still. I mean, that's still Andy not Reed something got hired that in ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine, and Howie was not a part of the. T- no, he came right around after that. Right early two thousands. Yeah. But okay, but regardless, still three head coach changes the for Kelly one team. The Kelly thing is hard though, because they did something out of the outside the box with Kelly, and I think they went into that knowing that this could either be the greatest thing and revolutionize the game, or it could blow up in our faces. But that's still like I understand they did that, but you doing that and it blowing up in your face is part of making a wrong decision. They're like, okay, they got themselves out of it, or they did this, or they did that, but that still failed, right? Like, yeah, that but that's an organizational good. philosophy. That is not. I'm counting this as a strike against you as the well. He's GM. part of that decision making, though. Like, you can't just like take blame away from Howie in those moments, even if Lori has last say. Like that's still all part of the people up top to make that type of decision. Like he's still part of those conversations. Yeah, but that's the organizational philosophy that the owner is a part of. That's my point is the owner is not going to say I failed. Therefore, you're getting fired. That's not going to happen. Like they come together as Jeffrey Laurie, Howie Roseman, whoever else is in that Don Solomonsky, uh, Solomonsky. And they say, look, as an organization, this is the route we want to go. Like, we would like to do, like, are we on board with this? Yeah, that's higher Chip Kelly. Like, it might be great, but it might it might blow up in our face. Yeah, but someone has to get the, the blame for that situation. Yeah, Chip Kelly. Well, but yeah, that's, that, <laughs> Chip but, Kelly yeah, got that, the blame. That would be <laughs> wrong. Fired. That would be wrong, though, if that's the person that gets the blame. The guy who gets fired yeah, but, gets the blame. No, but as an organization together, they all said, we made a mistake. We're firing Chip Kelly. That's them admitting we made a mistake. They're not going to single one of the three out, though. But I just mean, because you would basically you be throwing to, the guy under the bus. Just because you admit uh, to making the mistake, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you don't get a, a ton of criticism for making the mistake to begin oh, with. Oh, you could get the criticism, but I'm saying, like, I don't think that the owner holds Roseman at fault for being on board with this decision. It's one of those things. Hey, we're either going to live or die with this thing. We're going to go guns a-blazing, or we're going to go, like... You spend money to make money. I put all this money into this investment, and I lost. Well, there's another investment that I put money in, and I hit big. Like, they're all on board with that decision. So I don't think the owner is going to single Roseman out and say – it wasn't like Roseman said, this is my grand idea, and he had to sell Lori. I think Lori was like, hey, if you can get Chip Kelly to coach this team, I'm on board with that. Yeah, but I, I think that's still a little bit flawed, though, because I guess like if me and you went in on an idea together and it backfired, but I was in the decision making with you, like I still deserve blame for being in that decision with you, even if you're higher up than me. Like I'm making you, Lori, and I'm Howie Roseman in this hypothetical. And we and me and you come up with this decision to do something and it backfires. 
I'm still part of the problem of making the decision as me and you together. I'm still part of that problem, even if you're higher up than me. Yeah, but I don't think that should be a... Should be a strike. Maybe a strike, but... I don't in that much in that instance. No, I don't hold it as because Kelly was such an unknown. It was. And by the way, he was a guy that multiple organizations tried to lure away from college and they couldn't. And if you remember when they hired Chip Kelly, who got credit for that? Howie Roseman. Correct. Everybody talked that. Lori was uh, Roseman was the guy that convinced him to come to the NFL. No other co- no other team could get Kelly to come. Remember, Tampa thought they had to deal with him, and at the last minute, he backed out. And there were rumors of him going to all these other teams. There was all these talks that they wanted Kelly, he couldn't come, he didn't want to come, and that Roseman was the guy that convinced him to come to the NFL. And so, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, like. Okay, that idea blew up in their face, but it's progressive ideas that you take a shot on. You know going in, hey, this might not work. I'm okay with that. Like, if you told me, now Josh is telling me that there are guys, Bill Polian hired three head coaches, Jim Morris Sr., Tony Dungy, and Jim Caldwell. So those are three guys uh, he won the Super Bowl with Dungy. They did pretty good with Caldwell as well. Uh, Carl Peterson was the GM in Kansas City, hired four head coaches. So, I mean, it happens. I mean, but yeah, that, that's it's either rare. Here or there. Yeah, right. it's rare. But, very rare. If you said that their idea was to bring back Dick Vermeil, you know, who was like 68 years old at that time and kind of like what Washington did when they brought Joe Gibbs back the second time. At that point, I would say, I don't think that was a risk worth taking. So therefore, I'm going to hold that against you a little bit more. This was something that, look, I think most people were on board with. I think most people didn't know what to expect. And I think most people were willing to see, hey, let's see what this Kelly thing is all about. The NFL. You remember that year that before the season started, you didn't know what to think of that team. It was like, I have no expectations because I just don't know what I'm going to see. The team was 4-12 and 12 the year before, so you said, man, the team's probably on the way down. I don't know what to expect yeah, from but this even, guy. Even if you – I understand, like, hey, he's the hot item or whatever the case may be, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't work and it fell the way that it did, regardless of the wins, it was a nightmare situation where you had to pull the plug as the owner. doesn't matter what you thought before or what you did before or how it all played out. The fact of the matter is it was a disaster. People started flying or getting kicked out of town and this and that, and it was bad. So at the end of the day, no matter what happened leading up to it, it was bad, and someone deserves blame when that happens. And I think that most kind of brought this up the best way with Andy Reid. Andy Reid was a great coach. Me and you both agree with that. The outrage towards him, it was what it was. But towards the end, it was time. So Howie Roseman, I think it is just like the perfect example is to tie it to Andy Reid where, you know what, he might not be the worst ever like these people are saying they are. But at the end of the day, there is a timeline for someone who, even if they are still good at their job, it's time to move on. And I feel that's kind of where we're at with Howie. No matter if he has more left in the tank or not, it's time to freshen this thing up. Uh, that I don't have a problem <laughs> I with. Know you yeah, don't. I know you're you are telling me that I, I look at it differently, though, a GM and a coach. The GM's voice is not the same as the coach. The coach is talking to the players. It's his voice in the locker room. The GM is totally different. That's why a lot of times, you know, they don't just say, hey, you know what, Bill Belichick, I think it's just time to freshen things up here. He's been the GM there, the coach there for 20 years. They don't just say, hey, it's time to change GMs because we think Bill Belichick's getting – and look, guys – I think like, I, be, I bet you that conversation intensifies might, now after might, Brady leaves. It might. 
you know, Mickey Loomis is another guy, and he's very much on the Roseman level where he's not a football guy. He's more of a numbers guy. He's been the GM in with the Saints. Oh, my God, since I, I mean, I feel like he's been the only guy who's ever been the GM. When is Loomis? When was Loomis hired to be the GM in um, in uh, New Orleans? I mean, I feel like he's been there. But I also wonder if things he's start there changing. Since 2000, right. He's if been- things start changing once Drew Brees is now, what are they going to do? What's the stopgap? Like, what's going to happen? I wonder if all these GMs that we talk about, if things start changing because, well, you don't have Tom Brady. And because you don't have Drew Brees, like, will they look different now that they don't have those guys? I'm not saying that will happen. I'm just asking the question, like, will you see that happen around the league where these guys that have been there, the fair they question. lose their Like, play. do we look at the Saints organization now? Before Drew Brees got there, they were a laughing stock, right? I mean, they were terrible. Absolutely. So, but do in the Sean Payton era, I guess you can go to, do we look at them as, I don't want to say a model franchise, but as a successful franchise successful in the in the conversation of they are involved every year but you can look at it as underwhelming that they only had one super bowl with all of those fantastic teams so in terms of like you talk about sustained success and being involved and you have a fight every single year yeah from that standpoint yes but in terms of I hate though that the answer is they only have one Super Bowl yeah. like how many Super Bowls do we want teams to win with that, that type of them... team with that type of quarterback what like Aaron Rodgers if he has one Super Bowl in he his has entire, one. entire career you would look at that as he's so damn good and those teams were so damn good that he should have more than one right but again how many teams have multiples? I'm just, I'm, I think it's, I do not think it's ridiculous to think Aaron Rodgers with his skill set, his career should That's not be able to come out with more than one. But, and you look at that as underachieving if he only has one. Okay. Two, I think two. We, when we had Casey That's not Turner, the conversation. Okay, the point the I'm making is how many Super Bowls, like we're saying, well, they only won one Super Bowl. Well, every team that we're going to bring up that has success is going to have one. Well, there's 50, what, 55 Super Bowls, and Tom Brady's been to 10 of them? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like there's 700 Super Bowls to point from. There's 55. But that's that's the point is the, the Saints have one Super Bowl, and the Packers in the, in the Rodgers era, in the 20 years that we're talking about that the Eagles have been involved here, the Giants have two. Uh, I guess Pittsburgh has two. Denver has one. So if you have one, you're ahead of. Yeah, but your team's not built for that every year. Like the the Green Bay Packers were with Aaron Rodgers. The Drew Brees' teams were built for that. Not a lot of these teams don't have a chance right from the jump. So that slices them right off. But that's what I'm saying. So Mickey Loomis has been the, he's been the GM there since 2000. He's been the only GM they've had since 2000. Those teams were 10 and 6, 7 and 9, 9 and 7, 8 and 8, 8 and 8, 3 and 13, 10 and 6, 7 and 9, 8 and 8. So somewhere in there, and they didn't win one playoff game. They won two playoff games in that run there. They won double digit games twice. There's not a whole le- level of success. By the way, they've. They, the recent teams have been success, like significantly stronger, and they have. Correct. But I'm up. saying they stuck with him through that eight year stretch. And then they won the Super Bowl. Okay. Now they won the Super Bowl. They go 13 and three. They win the Super Bowl. Since the Super Bowl, 11 and five, 13 and three, seven and nine, 11 and five, seven and nine, seven and nine, seven and nine. And they still stuck with the guy. 11 and five, 13 and that three. That doesn't mean that it's right. That oh, just because an organization does no, it doesn't mean that. My question was do we view the Saints as a 
I don't know, a mo- I don't want to say a model organization, but a, a good organization. Yes, you view them as a good organization. Yes, a good organization. Yes, you look at them as a good one. Right, okay. So um, that's one example of a team that has kind of said, look, we got this guy, we're always in play. And I don't even think that they, you could, the Eagles have had more success than them. They've had one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, seven, but their eight, teams seem to be more nine, legitimate ten. Super Bowl type teams more than the Eagles. So, like wins wise, maybe. But in terms of when you look at this team, they have like this team that can go legitimately win a Super Bowl. The Saints are more in that conversation over the last handful of years than the Eagles were. So I think that's where it, it changes because. Well, first off, you're also playing in the NFC East when they're playing in a different division. Not that, you know, look, some of the teams are are what they are there. But, yeah, I think when you look at the Saints, though, they have more of a Super Bowl full-on team than the Eagles have had. You got Green Bay. There's another one. They won, they've won. they won one Super Bowl in the 20s. And years. I would view both of those teams as teams that underachieved with their talent. They should that, have been able to. That's yeah. fine. But they've won one Super Bowl, and... They had double-digit wins, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 times in that. I mean, that's pretty damn good, right? And yeah, so they have uh, what won is, Super Bowl. So what is the, but that doesn't mean that that's what is – that means to me, that means they underachieved. So essentially you're saying you would like the Eagles to be the best organization in all of football. No, like I, I hate how you take it to the extreme, though. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's fair to say – that a team underachieved, even if they only won one Super Bowl. Like I don't think that that's ridiculous. I'm not to say saying at all. that that's not fair. So what's the I'm point? A, I'm a hundred. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm. I'm. I think I'm being pretty clear that no, it's to not clear to me. That a team is only successful if they win multiple Super Bowls. I think is is being unrealistic. No, I do not I'm think saying- being unreal. If I said to you, I think Aaron Rodgers deserves to have one, more than one Super Bowl on his resume. That is not unrealistic. I'm to not say saying it's not. I, I, I literally just said, it's not unrealistic to say that it, they underachieve what I said is, but to say that a team, if they don't win more than one Super Bowl is a failure. Like the Green Bay Packers are not a failure, even though they won one Super Bowl. You could say they underachieved, but they're well, still from a business standpoint and all. Sure, still a great organization. I think anybody would say I would trade their last twenty years. Most organizations would trade their last twenty years for whatever they just went through, right? Yes. So, if I was to say they won one Super Bowl in twenty years, they had fourteen double digit seasons. Like they're a successful franchise. I, I understand that, but I think you you let you you saying that almost allows you to accept losing when you have a good enough team to win. I'm not, and ex- I, I I really do because there's teams are so they have a team I that can accept win. Accept what you're saying. If you were the team that had one Super Bowl in 20 you years. You also had a one guy carry the last 20 years, which then takes away from a lot of these other teams. The Steelers might not have just the two Super Bowls in 20 years if it wasn't for Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback ever. Oh, that's all like, factors ever. in. Yeah, I, well, I mean, that's a huge part of this, that you have the greatest quarterback ever to now take so away championships. Which team would you guys? say in the last 20 years has been more successful, Philly or New Orleans? What are you basing it off of? Regular season wins? What are you basing it off I'm of? I'm just asking you. And what that's also your flawed because be? if one team gets a bye and the other team doesn't, then they play less games than you in the playoffs, which plays a role on how many playoff wins you have. So it, it, it definitely depends. Isn't that part of the success? 
what playing in a wild card game and getting a win. So that means you get a better playoff record oh, because you win the fact a that, wild card game. No, I'm saying like you had a situation where uh, in terms of wins and losses, this and that you want to spit at me. I don't know off the top of my head who had a better 20 year run, the Saints or the Eagles. But this is what I do know. I think the Saints had a way better chance to win the Super Bowl with their team constructed than the Eagles did in, in the recent years. I look at that team as more of a Super Bowl team than the Eagles were. Even though the Eagles were the one to win it in 2017, they were more constructed to do it consistently than we were. And they ended up with one Super Bowl. Yeah, so they underachieved. They underachieved. Yeah, and the Eagles, by the way, in the same time span, have more double-digit win seasons. That's fine. They also the played in the NFC East. and all. Like, There's so much that plays a role. It's not as simple as, well, they have more regular season wins. Okay, well, that the, doesn't mean much the, to me. But the, the point that the guy brought up is that the team has no consistency. And I'm saying that's not accurate. They do have consistency. They've been the – if they're not the best team in the NFC – To change coaches the, the way that they have, is fair to say that they, it's, it hasn't been consistent from that angle. The the flip-flopping of the coaches over the last – the Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni, that's not consistent in that regard, and I think that's kind of what he was saying. Okay, two questions for you. Number one, I want to know exactly what – are are you trying to say that the Eagles have underachieved compared to what they should be? Are no, you... I'm not saying that because I don't think I'm saying the Saints did and the and the and the Green Bay Packers did. Okay, because the reason I'm asking is because I feel like what you're saying or what the listeners might be saying, watching on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, or listening to us right now, they may be sitting there saying, like you said, well, the Saints had a better chance, but did they really? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Because they went to one NFC championship. Well, they should have they should have been past that if that wasn't the most egregious call in the history of football. But yes. But but that goes back to what you said. Doesn't it go back to oh, you know, the Eagles that play in the NFC East? Well, you know, Tom Brady is winning championships. Yeah, well, yeah sure. But I mean, this was a little bit more I mean, this is like the worst history call in history of sports, but Yes. Well, I mean, that's subjective. I mean, there's other parts. Sure, calls it's up as there. Well. It's in the top three. My uh, point is that are the Saints or the Packers these teams really better teams, or is the optics of them better teams because they're not the team in our backyard? So we don't see all the flaws and the warts, and we don't pick them apart every single game, every single week. No, I think they're structurally better than the Eagles have been, and they should have won more Super Bowls. I think it's just that simple. I, I, and I but think a lot didn't. of that is I understand, right. but they didn't. Okay, so they underachieved. They but didn't get the job It's convenient done. to say they underachieved because you are viewing them as a more consistent franchise. It's an easy thing to say, well, they underachieved, but they're more consistent. I think they're better than them. The Eagles are saying, we've won as many games as you have, and you're, you're saying, well, they played in a worse division. That's subjective to what you think. The last two years, yeah, this has been a horrible division. The NFC West was horrible for a stretch there of five years where they sent a 7-9 and nine team to the playoffs. Seattle won a bunch of games during that time when the Cardinals were horrible. San Francisco was horrible. The Rams were horrible. Sure, I didn't say I didn't make it seem like this was the only reason no, why. But I'm it's saying just it's all it. subjective to all the teams. And the Eagles are saying for as much success that this Seattle's had, New Orleans has had, Green Bay has had, we've been right there with them. And they, we all have something in common. We've all won one Super Bowl. So there's not one team in this conference other than the Giants. I can't think of another one off the top of my head that have won multiple Super yeah, Bowls. Yeah, but it, the, the, Gi the way the you guys talk the about it. NFC team that has won multiple Super Bowls in recent years. The way that you guys talk about it, it truly does feel like you give them free passes for losing because, well, they win a lot of regular season games. And that's why they're giving them a free it, pass. But it really does come off that I'm way. I am 
putting them up against their peers. And okay, it's disappointing that they're not better than their peers, but there's not one peer that is any better than they are. But that's because one man dominated for so long in some of these divisions. Like the AFC, you get one guy come out every year where that limits the whole AFC that has teams that can compete just as much as anybody else for Super Bowls. But, Rose, if that's the case, then there should be an NFC But there's no comparison to Tom Brady. There should be an NFC team then, if based on your definition and what you're trying to say. That should be going there every year. No, it's not because not no one has the Tom Brady. The only reason why that's the case is because of Tom Brady. There's no Tom Bradys that walk into this league and go to but 10 Super Bowls. 10 Super Bowls. Not two. But he dominated the AFC yeah, but for what 20 years. What does that have to do years. with the NFC? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. But Nothing. Um, but you and bring up the teams, Steelers. You bring up these teams in the AFC. No, I said the Seahawks, Green Bay, New Orleans. I said the other teams in the NFC, when they stack themselves up against their contemporaries okay. in the NFC, Nobody other than the Giants. The Giants right. have two Super Bowls. The Giants are two for two. Nobody else can say that they have any better resume than you do in a 20-year span. No one can say, we've gone to eight Super Bowls and lost six of them. Nobody. There's been no dominant There's force been no the dominant NFC. team. Their resume but that's because is I think just as good as everybody else's. So those teams may have underachieved and maybe the Eagles underachieved. Of but the that's not okay. Though. They're the best. But no, that's not okay. You can't just de- and that goes back to you're okay with underachieving because other guys because yes, other saying, guys I underachieve. I don't think anybody's okay with. Well, no, it seems like it's oh, you know what? They're underachieving, no, no. so it's no, okay. Not, but that's, that's how it. That's how it sounds. Whether you well, think then you need not, to clear your hearing. No, it's not me. I'm just, y'all not the only one. Trust me. Because that's, that's how it's coming out from you guys. It's, oh, because no, other teams no, underachieve. No. Uh, it's quick, okay if the Eagles underachieve. That's, 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 that's the message. It. Well, then well, you're getting the message incorrect. Well, you are also right. delivering the message different. Listen, uh, you're hearing point, what you want to hear. No, I'm not. I'm hearing exactly what is coming out of your mouth. All I, it was the message was that all the teams could have underachieved. Eagles, Saints, Seahawks, Green Bay. Maybe they've all underachieved. But if you were to say, hand me the resume of the best underachiever, they might have all underachieved. Right. It's not an excuse for any of them. They all should have done better. But if you were to say, well, then I don't care who the underachievers are. Give me the best one you got. They're going to say, here are the four best. And I'm going to guarantee you, part of those resumes is going to have the Philadelphia Eagles in there. Whether the others underachieve, they underachieve, this guy underachieved, that guy underachieved. They all have a well, that's they unacceptable to me. I don't accept that. No one's that. saying it's accepted. You don't have to accept yeah, it. Sure, you guys still, do. I'm no, not accepting it. I don't it. accept it. Yes, you what do. I'm saying is, is that at some point we have to realize that the Philadelphia Eagles are in the same predicament as almost every other NFL team. No, they're, they're not. They're better. They're not worse. Right. We're just trying to hold them to a different standard because they're the team that's right here. And that's fine. And that's what's it supposed to happen. It doesn't mean you can ex- – yeah. I'm not accepting of that fact. I'm just telling you this is – the reality is – as much as we want them to be better, they're actually right there with the best uh, – their contemporaries. They haven't pulled away from that pack, which sucks. But if you take a step out of the your passion and fandom and actually just look at it from a macro level, you would say, as much as I would like them to be better, they're actually right there with everybody else. And I can't really argue about that unless I want them to be the Patriots. No, see, that's where I disagree. I disagree. That's not the only way you can look that way is if you want them to be the Patriots. It's it's not the only way to look at it. Well, you find me another team that has multiple Super Bowls and multiple well, they are, They underachieved. And that's fine. I can agree with that. They all underachieved. But guess what? Of all the underachievers, they're right at the top of the list Why? with all well, the rest of them. How are they at the top? I don't understand that. Well, I think I explained it pretty 
pretty clearly that if you look at the amount of wins they all have, they all are about the same amount of wins. They all won one Super Bowl. They all you have- can have the same amount of wins and be a different caliber team than the other. One can be more of a Super Bowl contender than the other and still have similar regular season wins. Well, that's, very that's on you to judge. I'm sure. just judging by how many wins they right. all I don't, I, have. I die deeper. <laughs> that's why you, you make these things a lot more complicated than no. they need to be. No, not really. Uh, five o'clock hours brought to you by Bernie Robbins Jewelers. Shop the Valentine's Day sale now at Bernie Robbins. Dot com coming up on the other side we'll talk to frank close as the phillies made a couple deals today bring in frank close and get a little insight on the phillies as they make a couple deals uh over the last uh, couple of weeks here broads they brought in a bunch of pitchers see how these guys stack up in the bullpen because frank i want to get your take on this because you know broads he's the optimist he thinks that the phillies can make the playoffs every single year even if they had that bullpen every single year from last season which we all know uh, if they had that bullpen every single year, the bullpen probably wouldn't be that bad every single year. Would we agree on that? Uh, no. <laughs> you think that bullpen? Well, they did have workmen in it. So that being said, if they just have a better bullpen, Frank, do we should we start to think that Dave Dombrowski has put together a possible playoff team? Makes the difference here. Uh, yeah, the, the bullpen is going to be it because the, basically what happened is the Phillies were confronted. All right. Do you rebuild when you have JT as a free agent? If you have DD Gregorius as a free agent and they kind of took a step back and said, look, I, I, th I think the best thing going forward is not to rebuild, but see if we if we get the bullpen right. Will that make a difference? And I think that's their strategy this year. And the other thing, too, that was the Achilles heel for the Phillies is, is besides the bullpen was the starting rotation. They didn't have any depth. So they've tried to add some starting pitching depth so that they, the bullpen doesn't have to pitch an entire game like happened several times last year. That, that Remember, that bullpen was really bad, and they also had to pitch some entire games, like five of them down the stretch. You can't win games like that. So so I think they're trying to roll the dice, see if that, that offense, which was very good, if you look at the numbers, it was very good, that if you have the better pitching depth, bullpen, starter, that it will make the difference, and that's what they're kind of banking on. All right, so let's look at their bullpen. They've added a couple arms. Let's see what they've done over the last two weeks here, Frank, and kind of get your breakdown on what we might see at spring training I'll have in the bullpen. So, so certainly Archie Bradley is the – is a solid, and they added it today in in, in Brandon Kinsler, and uh, Kinsler. I was actually surprised he settled for the minor league deal, but there might be some handshake agreement behind the scenes that that he's a good bet to make the team. Ken Rosenthal tweeted today that he was the best reliever on the Marlins last year and the best reliever on the Cubs the year before that. So I'm kind of surprised he he had to take a minor league deal, but uh, clearly Kinsler's. Uh, confident he's going to make this bullpen and the Phillies probably are as well and when you have those Daenerys who moments that haven't been wonderful but has been most then you're starting to feel a lot better about that and then you have the young guys that looked really promising last year Jojo Romero and Connor Brogdon then you bring in the, a, a couple others in the mix that that might be something the the Jose Alvarado's and the um, Sean Coonrods, and they're, they're hoping that they have the makings of a, a, a it certainly should be better though everything's got to be better than last year right 
Is there someone to you that will definitely close? Like you are the closer. Do you think they kind of have to figure that out as the season starts? I think that's kind of up in the air. Um, you know, certainly Hector Neris hasn't been a lockdown closer the last couple of years. In fact, when they traded for the aforementioned Brandon Workman, uh, Workman became closer and he quickly became not the closer. Uh, so, so, you know, Neris has that experience. Uh, when Neris is on, he's on. When he's not, he's not. Uh, so I, th I think they're going to open-minded in that. Uh, certainly closed, and Kinsler has closed. Uh, Kinsler was the longtime closer for the Minnesota Twins, and um, it's been very, very good in the major leagues as a closer. So at least they have some options, and they don't. I don't think they need to commit to any of them at the moment. But you have some options. Uh, give us your take on the. I mean, they so what happens to King uh, Kingery? Is you have a three-headed monster in center field? Is he just kind of the jack of all trades, master of none? What do we What do we see with uh, that situation? So they still, I would say they haven't decided. It, it, there's still the chance there could be a designated hitter, which is the funny thing in all of this, right? So, um, the, if that happens, well, then obviously he's the extra man. I think you know. Then I think you might see Reese Hoskins DHing a lot. Uh, you might see Alec Bohm playing a lot of first base, and then Segura can bounce between second and third. But I think if there is no DH, then you kind of have Kingery as your super utility guy, like he used to be, and then. You know what? If, let's face it. Last year, the you know one of the strengths the Phillies had was that DH position because you know, people kind of moved in and out of it. Uh, they didn't have a dedicated DH, and 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 Kingery sort of at least helps them sort of navigate through a a kind of um, mixing in and mixing out of players because he's so versatile. Uh, guys are going to need their days off. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon is going to need his days off, which could mean Kingery plays center and Adam Hastley plays left. Uh, you're going to need some days off for Reese Hoskins, perhaps coming off surgery. So I, I think having a Kingery is very, very good because you can kind of plug them in almost anywhere, get the guys their days that they used to have last year on, as a designated hitter. So DH, no DH, having somebody that versatile is very, very helpful. Should we be optimistic about Matt Moore and Anderson in this starting rotation? Or are they guys that might be able to be in the bullpen as we were kind of just talking about? Can they do relieving if maybe Spencer Howard gets called up? Like, w What is their role is going to be? I, I would say right now the two of them kind of have the inside edge to start. Uh, they they sign major league deals. I, I think the thing about Vince Velasquez, I, I'm still surprised they brought him back for, for four million bucks. I, I really thought they could have used that four million dollars elsewhere. And you see the type of money some of these guys are getting at the end of the offseason, and it's less than four million bucks, right? I mean, they they signed two two other starters for less than that to major league deals. So so you're probably gonna see Velasquez in the bullpen. I I think those those two are going to be the 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 starters. There's still some kind of talk about a six man rotation, and and you know I'm not a fan of six man rotations because that's one fewer reliever you have. But I think I think this year the hard part is nobody pitched a lot last year, and I think the worry is if you kind of let people loose every fifth day, their stamina is not going to be what it was in previous years because they just didn't pitch enough last year. So you're you're probably going to need more than five starters no matter what. And I think you feel a heck of a lot better if Vince Velasquez is is not one of the guys you're counting on per se and maybe only filling in. And Spencer Howard, you know what? He, he's, he's had a cup of coffee. He's had a couple injuries even along the way. 
if, if there's no pressure to put him into the major league rotation right away. And if he's not ready, if you don't like what you see, you don't need to pitch him. If he's pitching really well, he bumps one of those guys to the bullpen. And I, I think that that's, that's, that's something is a luxury. If they just counted on Spencer Howard to be in this starting rotation, they would regret it later. Uh, Frank Close covers the Phillies, 97.3 ESPN.com, and they made a couple deals today. One was with Matt Joyce. Uh, I'm imagining he's kind of replacing Jay Bruce. Yeah, I would say that's that's the best slot to to kind of uh, put him put him in. I, I you know he'll be a guy that might play some left field again if he makes the team. It's a minor league deal. Uh, a lot depends on how other dominoes fall, but you know if he's on your roster, you might play some left field when Andrew McCutcheon has the day off. That's that's probably his role, and then a left-handed pinch hitter off the bench. Uh, you, you're not going to see him start in right, of course, because Harper's there, and he's not really a candidate to play any center field. So, uh, so he's you're going to be probably a backup in left field if you want to give Andrew McCutcheon a day off against a tough righty. Uh, again, keep those knees uh, healthy. Uh, that's the guy you put in, or uh, you need a pinch hitter from the left side. He, they, they don't really have anybody else, so so he's he's it. With Reese Hoskins, last year he batted second a lot, and Gil and I were going back and forth on it. Well, he walked a lot, and Bryce Harper was behind him, but it's almost as if he was looking for the walks. Do you think that the two-hole is a spot for him, really, for this upcoming season? <laughs> I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I, I I think he's too slow. So, yeah. So, so I mean, he'll clog the bases. I mean, maybe, maybe he's a th stopping at third base when – Bryce Harper stopping at second because he couldn't get to third base, you know? So he's just too slow for me to have that role. I think we really need to see what you have with Hoskins uh, once he's healthy. I, you know, they, they say he's going to be ready for spring training. That's the last thing we've heard. I haven't heard any updates lately. Um, there's, there's a, there's a chance that, uh, you know, he could start off a little bit slower, but um, I, I, I don't see the point of having somebody who's, who's that slow in the base pass batting second. I would, I, I would rather, I would rather see, I'd, I'd rather see Gene Segura there. I'd rather see uh, fill in the blank. I mean, almost anybody. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of. We kind of talked about him hitting in that two hole either uh, when they put uh, Reese Hoskins in that two hole. But it'll be interesting. What is his, um, you know, future looking like in terms of being ready for opening day? Yeah, that's that. That seems to be the wild card because you know when they announced that he had as much as. Uh, six months worth of recovery ahead of him. That was basically six months from opening day. So um, I think we're going to need to wait and see when we get into spring training uh, in a week, you know, a week from today, pitchers and catchers, and then the first full squad workout the following Monday, the 22nd. When he reports, I think we'll know better. You know, is, is he is he that close to being ready or is he going to need some more time? Because if he needs a full six months, well, that means he's not playing any preseason games and he's starting the year on the DL. But uh, the it was optimistic uh, last we heard, but um, there's still a chance that he's not ready opening day. All right, Frank, uh, obviously. What do we know about um, spring training? Is everything going to be on time? Is that all kind of settled now with – uh, do they have a date for pitchers and catchers and all that stuff? Yeah, so the pitchers, pitchers and catchers are definitely reporting a week from today, which is the 17th. The full squad workout remains scheduled for the 22nd. What we don't know now is what the, the game schedule is going to be. Now, they released a spring training schedule a long time ago, but they haven't sold a single ticket, and they haven't made any announcements as to what's happening with that. We don't know if there's going to be fans in the stands, a limited number of fans in the stands, I heard some people worry about the revenue at 25% isn't worth it having fans. So uh, they, the, the, the most thing 
most recent thing reported by Matt Gelb and by by Ken Rosenthal, the Athletic was they're going to kind of redo that schedule, uh, focus on putting teams mostly against their local teams. So you'll see the Phillies play the Blue Jays a lot. You'll see them play the Yankees a lot because Dunedin and Tampa are, are close by. Probably the Detroit Tigers are in that mix. They're going to try to minimize their travel. Um, but interestingly, uh, Mike, you know, I have a plan to go down there to be there for the opener. I don't know if that opener is going to be right <laughs> hit right at a, um, I almost said bright house spring spectrum field, I- excuse me, uh, or not. I mean, if does the schedule getting changed around mean they're going to open somewhere else? I, I don't know that information yet, but I've got a flight, but I'll show up and see yeah. what happens. <laughs> I know and I put in for your uh, spring training credentials. So we'll, I mean, at least they're telling us to apply for them right now. That's all. That's I, a good so. sign, right? Yes, uh, this will be the second year in a row, though, that I'm not going to be down there because, you know, it just don't. Apparently, they're letting fans in there, right? Well, they, they haven't said that, you know, I, there's there's some talk of 25 percent. But but I've also heard that, you know, with the revenue splits that, that go to the city of Clearwater and stuff, that there, there, there might not be a financial incentive to even bother. Uh, they're, they're definitely not letting fans go to workouts this year. Um, that is one thing that the uh, media update said is that they're they're they're. They're going to close it off, and that will be open to media only. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, it, you know, out outdoors, warm weather, distance, masks. Could they make it work? Maybe. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball tried to push things back a little bit just so that more people would be vaccinated, and including the players. And the players weren't willing to do that. You know, I, I mentioned that you know the the effects of last year. A lot of them were trying to get into a rhythm to play. They didn't want to be disrupted any further. So. Uh, it's getting very, very close to, to, to the time for the first game. The first game is scheduled right now for Saturday the 27th. And whether they play it on that exact day, whether they play it in Clearwater or, or another local city like Tampa, Dunedin, or, or Lakeland, that remains to be seen. All right, Frank Close, 97.3 ESPN.com, at Frank Close. And, of course, uh, as he said, a week from now, Phillies are heading down, and we'll be all over the Phils this year on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Frank, thanks, man. Good to talk to you guys. Absolutely. As always, Frank Close, like August, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. And don't forget, coming up, game night tonight. No games tonight, but Josh still got a good show for you. Dave Weinberg, of course. Uh, Dave thinks that Nick Foles should come back. I saw that. I saw him actually tweet that. I was laughing. I can't wait to hear I love you, Dave, but response. come on, man. Yeah, I can't wait to hear the response tonight. Holy moly. By the way, this deal that DraftKings has for UFC 258 is absolutely outrageous. DraftKings is giving you 100 to 1 odds that either fighter in the title fight will land a punch. That's right, 100 to 1 odds. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code 973 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. I'm laughing because I see what you popped up on the screen. Yeah, a lot of people apparently enjoyed our uh, spat. Good. I loved it too. It's, it's the beauty of this thing. They really did. They wanted us to keep going during the break. We should have gave them one. We yeah. should have gave the people what they wanted. Connor says, I'm sad this is the last half hour. <laughs> I'm sure there will be some other topic that we don't agree on, Connor, coming up uh, at some point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, it just happens naturally. You know, we just start <laughs> screaming. It's great stuff. Uh, by the way, I did do a little research in the break. The Eagles have the sixth 
most wins in the last 20 years. Yeah, the way I see it, though, is if six people murdered somebody and you were part yeah. of that state, well, you know, they did it. That's sort of like how I feel you're you're giving me that information. Well, because other teams underachieve, it's okay no, no, to underachieve. I, I don't care uh, about the I'm just Six saying. people murdered someone. Well, I mean, I just did what other people did. I'm saying the, the guy who said that they were not consistent, I'm saying they, were, they have a top six record in the entire NFL over a 20-year span. It's hard to say that. That's been disappointing. You could say I'm disappointed with the results of those 20 years, but to say that in those 20 years, there's only five teams that have a better record than them. I don't know. I mean, if you want them to be one of, better than one of those five, I can understand you being very upset. I can, again, be upset with the results of those 20 seasons. But if I take a step back and say over those 20 years, only five teams that have more wins than me, huh, maybe – I, I don't know. But those five teams are, by the way, Baltimore, Indianapolis, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, and the Patriots. Philadelphia is sixth. So those five, then Philadelphia is the number six team. 194, 140, and two. By the way, the next team behind them, the New Orleans Saints, 195 and 141. The Seattle Seahawks. So the Eagles are actually the second best team in the NFC over that 20-year span. We'll be back with five. Wrapping up a Wednesday show, very spirited in the last hour. That's how it should be. Well, I'm old. I can't keep up that level of energy. <laughs> Have a coffee. Get a little coffee in you. All right, we'll start here. Rapid fire. Are you watching Luca <laughs> and Trey Young? I mean, it's highly anticipated. This well, is one hell of a matchup. Today's Wednesday, right? Yeah. I mean, ESPN's got the countdown going. Yeah, I'm I'm probably out. Uh, yeah, I don't blame you there. Uh, so any, oh, uh, no, never mind. No? Any interest in the Australian Open at all for tennis or not? No, Zippo. Not at all? You never give it nah, a tennis? I'm not a hardcourt guy. I like the... <laughs> Come on. You're not a hardcourt guy? you got to be kidding me. That's good. Uh, are you excited for you? <laughs> Actually, it's Clay, isn't it? No, Clay's the French Open. Oh, geez. Yeah, come on. Get your, get your courts Sorry. right. Oh, I thought the U.S. Open was the hardcourt. Oh, man. Excited for Usman fight UFC 258? I am. Usman's going to be on with Josh on Friday night. That's exciting. Can't wait to hear that. Um, anything on the college basketball schedule tonight that intrigues you slash Jeff? What? Anything on the college basketball schedule that intrigues oh, you, you know slash what? Jeff? I haven't looked yet. Okay. Normally, I'll look after the show's over. <laughs> All right. Is it, was that four? I'm bad at math. <laughs> what are you watching tonight? You are bad at math. What are you watching tonight? You shut your mouth. Um, my feet are killing me. Have a great night.